The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined, as always, on Fridays by my buddy, Rich Rebar. We got two games left to pick. Then I imagine we'll talk a little bit about potential Super Bowl matchups as well. We got uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the, the team that Rich and I love, but also playing the Bills, another team we love. And then I think two teams that neither of us really care about at all, uh, the Buccaneers and the Packers. I mean... I know the Packers deserve to be here and everything, but just like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't particularly like watching the Packers play. Is that, is that a hot take? No, I mean, they don't really have a, 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 they're not a very exciting team. I don't think by any means, even when they score, even for as like as high scoring as they are. I mean, Devontae's obviously a baller, Aaron Jones, they still don't fully unleash and maybe he'll get unleashed the next stop. But you know, by then the second year contract running back, what, you know, do we really care? um but i mean i i'm kind of a pro brady at this stage of my life you know i kind of swung around on brady i used to think that he was kind of like you know a douchebag qb but then you know i kind of realized that like i think he's like the nfl's version of of dexter in a way i don't know if you watch the show dexter but like he's kind of like a like a meekness to him that developed i thought like you know he was just kind of this you know a typical quarterback and then i kind of just realized like, he's kind of just like uncomfortable an uncomfortable dude kind of uh like a, in a social setting like he did he kind of has that vibe to him but uh i think narrative wise it would be cool for for brady to leave the patriots to just tank and be terrible and then him just go to the super bowl immediately with the buccaneers and then be the first guy to the first team to host a home super bowl the narrative i think plays more into into rooting for brady for a little bit but he's in a tough spot i mean Number one seeds have kind of wrecked uh, not, you know, anything outside of number two seeds in this round. Uh, and, you know, winning three straight road playoff games is something that hasn't happened a lot. I mean, it's happened, what, three times uh, since 2002. Uh, five and six seeds have gotten this far ten times. Only three have won, and none of those three have beaten a number one seed in the third game to go to the Super Bowl. So some things aren't lining up really well for the Buccaneers on paper. Uh, but, you know, hey, we could fall back and say week six, they beat him 38 to 10, put a bunch of pressure on Aaron Rodgers. David Bakhtiari's out. His backup that's playing left tackle in this game allowed six pressures in that week six game, the most pressures on the team. Uh, you know, Billy Turner, who had to start in that game uh, at right tackle, but now he's going to be playing left tackle. So uh, it's an interesting game all around. Uh, definitely more excited about the AFC game for a number of reasons, but I don't think this game will disappoint. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead and start with the NFC game. I I'm on the bucks here plus three and a half points. One. I, I love getting the hook, right? I love getting that three and a half. So, you know, green Bay last minute field goal, uh, any kind of weird, you know, score situation where it's within three, like you, you just love, you love to get that hook. And then honestly, I was going to be on the bucks anyways, but, but drop the stat that you tweeted at me when I tweeted about the bucks on Monday. Cause this stat was, was wild to me. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, kind of, kind of rare that we have, you know, a, a situation where a team that, that blows a team out. Well, it's not uncommon that we have a, a rematch of a blowout in the, in the regular season. We just had a last week where the Bucks, you know, won uh, against the Saints after losing 38 to three, but it is rare that we have a team that is 
favored that it got blown out in the postseason. Or the Packers were in this in the same exact spot a year ago. They got blown out by the 49ers in the regular season, but then were, you know, road dogs, eight and a half point dogs to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Got blown out again. Uh but so there's been since 2002 or since 2008, there's been 32 playoff teams that have lost a regular season game by double digits to the same team, just double digits. Those teams are 10 and 22 straight up. They're 19 and 13 in spread. We just saw the Bucks win. No big deal. It happens. But where things are in common is of those 38, 32 instances, just six times has the team that's been blown out in the regular season been a favorite in the postseason. Uh, in the postseason and they're just two and four straight up and just three times have those teams lost by 20 or more points and been favorites they've all lost uh, in the playoff rematch so kind of interesting I, I think if you ask anyone they'll tell you that both these dogs are definitely live uh, but kind of on on really rarefied air here to have a team that got blown out so badly be you know favored uh, against the team that got blown out doesn't happen very often yeah you know they're they're and I think there are you know a couple reasons for that um, I obviously like the market values, the Lambo home field more than the average home field. Like I think that is priced in. I think that's probably why the hook exists here. And it's not just three. I would imagine that if, you know, it wasn't such a, a storied thing, you know, cold snow, all, you know, all the, all the stuff that goes with Lambo. like Lambo seems like one of those places that does get the extra point. And then also we just really haven't seen the Packers look frail in a long time, you know, like, because the, these are the things that are wrong with the Packers. Their secondary wide receivers cannot be relied upon at all. They, they drop, they don't get open. They, they, and it just hasn't mattered, right? Didn't matter against the Rams at all. Really didn't matter much in the regular season. Rogers definitely made chicken salad out of chicken shit, you know, with, with, uh, Robert Tunyon and well, I think Mercedes Lewis had four receiving touchdowns this year like you know just kind of classic Rogers stuff of he makes the throws and the guys just got to be open but obviously when the margins get tighter when the games are closer when the moments matter more you know having having to throw the ball to Alan Lazard having to throw the ball to Marquez Valdez Scantling as opposed to I, I was thinking about this what do you think the odds are that all three of the current Buccaneers wide receivers are Hall of Famers at the end of their career? A Antonio Brown will be for sure. I, I think yeah. even behavior aside, I think he's a lock. Mike Evans now has seven seasons of a thousand yards, right? Um, his career. Uh, 61 touchdowns in seven seasons. We give him... I would say two more years of being Mike Evans and then maybe two more years of accumulating, right? So he probably gets to something like 11,000 receiving yards and 80 touchdowns at the end of his career. And then, I mean, I'm certainly of opinion that Godwin is the best of all of them. God, Godwin is, is the most talented player uh, of the three of them right now. I, I mean, and he's had a slower start to his career than Mike Evans did because he was, you know, losing time to Deshaun Jackson and and everything. And then obviously Gronk is is a lock Hall of Famer as well. Like that's just the the difference in quality of offensive players. I think is is just gigantic between the two teams. I mean, sure, Aaron Jones is better than the Fournette Rojo combo, but the Buccaneers aren't really a running team, anyways. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting, you know, how that how it shakes out because, you know, we haven't been able to like really kind of, it's kind of been whack-a-mole a little bit with the Bucks receivers and we have to wait and see if Antonio Brown's going to play. He hasn't practiced all week. Bruce Arians did say he doesn't have to practice to play in the game. Uh, so we'll see if he kind of gets going. Uh, I like Godwin in this matchup a lot. I mean, the first time these teams played, Godwin had his second highest target share in a game this season, but the Bucks only threw 27 passes because they didn't have to throw. The defense set them up with short scores and scored a touchdown themselves. Uh, so I do kind of like him. And, you know, they did have Jair Shadow, Mike Evans, which whatever, uh, in the first matchup. But it just opens up more. I think that, that Godwin is the guy that is a safest bet to lead the team in targets in this game. It's going to be curious down the line when these guys retire, to your point, is just kind of weird. Because it's already hard to get in a Hall of Fame as a receiver anyways, unless you're like a tier one guy. Um, so where the actual stats are going to lie by the time these guys retire, like where they're going to sit, like in the, in the era, like how much air adjustment are they going to have to do for these guys and players that are going to put up numbers at the end of the line here uh, that just aren't going to get in by that default. Mike Evans to me is a, I love Mike Evans, but is it going to look like at the end of his career that he's like almost like a, a Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan's version of like the wide receiver position. Like where he was never like you considered him like a yeah he was option but like he was like just a good great receiver yeah I mean that's what our guy Mansion has called him an accumulator which I don't even think is is necessarily wrong the thing that Mike Evans has always done I I would say even with all the other great wide receivers that Mike Evans has played with right he shared the stage with Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and like I mean he's been around forever he has always been a touchdown creator like Mike Evans has always and you know. I, I also think that the Hall of Fame voters, when Mike Evans is up, is, is get, we're, we're getting less cranky old men and more guys <laughs> who, like, understand the value of what guys provide on the field. Pray. And, and yeah, let please let us pray. And, and I do think I do think that um, that Mike Evans is I, I think Mike Evans will get in for sure. He's definitely on the trajectory uh, right now. It's just gonna be curious to see where it lies, you know, because, uh, you know, the, there's so many guys that have, have fought tooth and nail to get in and some guys that are still, you know, fighting to get in, you know, like the Tory Holtz of the world, the Isaac Bruce, uh, you know, guys that are kind of going to get weeded out because these guys are going to just, the, the next group of guys are just putting up insane numbers and they're just not going to match up. So it's going to be interesting to see how it lies. I mean, listen, Mike Evans, hopefully, you know, we've got another solid 10 years to Mike Evans playing football too for us. So yeah, uh, to latch on to, but yeah, I mean, this game is, I mean, this game, I wish it was in Tampa just for the scoring factor. I mean, I don't think a lot of people even know that the Bucs are the second highest scoring team in the NFL. No, they don't because they, they, (laughs) they had such a, they had a run of like games where the offense just didn't work. Right. Yeah. So that definitely plays into it. Like people know the Packers have been, they've been wired, wired good. Week one, they come out, they go to Minnesota and they're incredible. And they've just, we've never looked back on the Packers. They've been the the highest scoring offense in the NFL from week one, but the Bucs, are the second highest scoring points per team points per game team in the NFL coming into this game. They've scored 30 or more points in five straight games. That's a franchise record. They've scored 24 or more points in nine straight games. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I look at it. I think this is a tough line to bet because the hook, uh, I think if you're on the buck side, you take the hook, uh, but I like the bucks team total a lot uh, in this game as maybe the one of the better uh better objective bets uh sitting around 23 and a half 24 like i said they've hit 24 nine straight games uh, as long as there's not like supremely inclement weather by the time we get there and last week people thought it was going to be real bad weather and by the time we got to kickoff it was like low 30s 35 and it really wasn't like there's was no precipitation so hopefully we get something similar 
uh, for this game because it could be potential to be high scoring, a lot higher scoring than people even believe, even though it is a 51-point total. Yeah, I mean, both of these teams, their strength is on offense. Like, the, the Packers' defense is bad. They don't get really any pass rush. They don't they don't defend the run particularly well. I mean, they have, yeah, Jair Alexander. But uh, as we, as we you know, discussed, like, okay, throw Jair Alexander on Mike Evans. Like, that, you cut one head off the three-headed snake. Like, it doesn't really matter, I don't think. Um, and Kevin King's been bad, and we saw the Rams even attack. Like, the Rams just threw at Kevin King, and it's not like – and you know golf didn't even play terribly for the jared goff context it's just like we talked about that rant like the rams have no just no way to get explosive pass plays and it kind of was the story of that game in green bay like they you could only have so many drives where you have to complete you know you know so many six to eight yard passes and sustain that for a whole game like that and that's what the rams basically had to do last week against the packers and you just can't do that Uh, you have to generate some explosive plays in the nfl um, and th- th- that Rams offense just wasn't capable of doing it. This Bucks offense is capable of getting some explosive pass plays, and I think we will see a few uh, as long as we get you know the weather to hold up. But you know we we'll have to wait and see what we're looking like Sunday morning. But I think this game could be high scoring. I think it. I think it could be too. I think the the path to the Buccaneers winning is they they score first, and the the Packers kind of try and do their thing, and they they chew the clock up, and they have these long drives. And, you know, get, you know, one, one snap, one stop or whatever, uh, or, or turn it, what should be a touchdown into a field goal. And then, you know, if the, if the Packers just have to throw 40 times, I, I do not like their odds, you know, like, I, I think that that is a situation where I, and I know Rogers has been great, but they've been, you know, Rogers has, has really been a beneficiary of Matt LaFleur's play calling. They run a lot of play action. And if you can just drop six back and you know put put a, a safety over Devonte adams that really limits a lot of what they do yeah it's gonna be interesting these these games uh you know there's not like any clear like anything glowing there's no like supreme underdog for us to latch on to like it's really like four good quarterbacks four good teams like top teams that we've we've all thought were top teams basically the whole season or at the end of the line and they're tight lines here i mean here you're getting the hook as opposed to the flat three in the afc game but even uh that's kind of like the selling point is you're telling yourself, like, I'm getting the hook, you know, I'm, I'm getting the hook. That's what I'm getting. I'm going to play for that. Uh, because yeah, I mean, we've got uh, just two, four really good teams that are left and no really kind of, uh, you know, team that, that we feel like shouldn't be here. Like there kind of was last year, like we were all waiting for that Titans to, to finally kind of end it, you know, kind of waiting for that shoe to drop on the Titans last year. And then last year's Packers team at the end of the line too was here and we, no one believed in them at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I didn't believe in the Buccaneers for a long time. Um, it, it kind of took for the last like six weeks or so for me to buy in, but I mean, you know, Brady, Brady went through a, a period where he couldn't, he had no touch on the deep ball, just wasn't connecting on any of them. And they have, they have rectified that stuff a little bit. So I do, I think, I think the Buccaneers are drawing pretty live up in Lambeau. Uh, do you have anything else on this game? No, I, I mean, I'm probably not going to take either line. I think I'll probably touch the Bucks team total a little bit, but I don't have like a great feel for like, just like, you know what I mean? To how to play this from a betting side. Uh, I mean, cause objectively like things point to kind of like, you know, t- playing the number one seed in this spot uh, versus the team that's playing three straight road games. But I mean, th- there's a lot of stuff on the field that does favor the Bucks too. 
Uh, so, I mean, if you like the Bucks, I think you bet them now while you have the hook. Uh, I mean, he hasn't really moved all week. So, I mean, I guess you don't even have to, but uh, definitely I would grab it right now, though, if you're on the Bucks side. Yeah, I think that, I think that does seem, I think that seems right. Um, okay. The Kansas City Chiefs at home, minus three to the Buffalo Bills. We have the number one and the number two teams in pass rate above expectations we have two teams who go for it on fourth down two teams who don't kick field goals these are these are teams after our own hearts um kind of actually similar situation between these two teams as with the packers and the buccaneers where josh allen had his worst game of the year against the kansas city chiefs back in uh, i believe it was i think it was week six maybe maybe it was week five um both both these rematches are week six which is week six yeah that is weird (laughs) so josh allen only threw for 122 yards in that game and the score looks a lot closer than it was it was 27 to 7 at one point in that game and then the uh bills scored a fourth quarter touchdown and i believe they kicked a field goal like as time expired or, or very late in the fourth quarter but i i mean i i don't like do the chiefs have some defensive secret to figuring out josh allen i don't i don't think so like i don't think the chiefs defense is very good they have uh the chiefs defense is they have three really good players right they have they have chris jones they have uh Tyran and they have uh, actually Legereus Sneed, their rookie cornerback, is like he's just a freaking baller, dude. He's all over the place. And then everyone else, you know, Sorensen and everything. Like it's it's a very very average defense. But what I do think causes this to be, I I actually think this is a bad matchup for the Bills because the Bills, you know what they are to me? They're an advantage player at the casino, right? They exploit all the edges. They know they know the math of the game. They're kind of like uh, a basketball team. They're like the Rockets, right? They Everything they do is optimized to get the most expected points, but so are the Chiefs. The Chiefs also do the same thing. Like they, they know all the edges. They know not to kick field goals. They know to keep possessions going. Like they know all this stuff. And so I think some of the Bills' inherent advantages over these teams that they steamrolled during the regular season, I think you, you move that to a draw, right? You, you move those edges to a draw. And then you're talking about, okay, well, let's go toe to toe. And I think toe to toe. The Chiefs are just a better team. That that and doesn't mean the Bills can't win. Doesn't mean this prediction can't look stupid. But I, I think the Chiefs just seem like a better team. I don't think anyone really would push back on that. I mean, the Chiefs have been everyone's favorite the whole season. Uh, you know, when that we go back at Week Six game, you know, a lot has been made like for that game, and people talk about the weather, even though. Mahomes threw the ball fine. People have talked about Josh Allen's shoulder. His left shoulder was he's kind of going through like an injury from a couple weeks ago prior against the Raiders. But really the story of that game was the Chiefs just got in his grill. He was pressured on a season high 54.8% of his dropbacks, uh, by far his highest rate in a game this season. What's funny is he wasn't even sacked in the game, but was under pressure that uh, that that entire game. Well, he, he had four- he had a terrible interception, right? That was because he at the end he of had- the game. At yeah. the end of the game, yeah, to Sorensen, yeah. of all people, too. He just finds his way somehow to, to, to be, like, involved in every play. But under pressure in that game, Josh Allen was 4 of 13 for 44 yards. Uh, when he kept clean, he was 10 of 14 for 78 yards. Uh, and then as good as a season Josh Allen had this year, which was blew everyone's expectations away, even the people that were his strongest backers wouldn't have foresaw this season. But under pressure, that was still, like, the one – 
thing that stayed like kind of consistent for him. He, he averaged minus two yards per pass attempt under pressure and his completion rate dropped 29.6%. In context of all NFL quarterbacks, they were the 25th and 36th largest decreases from a clean pocket under pressure. So keeping him clean is a big deal. They will have John Feliciano in this game. He didn't play in the first game. Uh, I think there'll be some adjustments too. maybe take some more of what the defense gives you in this game, uh, maybe completing some more underneath stuff. His average depth of target in that first game was 11.1 yards, one of his highest rates of the season. Uh, I don't think we'll, we'll see him push the ball downfield as much. I think they'll do a lot more taking what they're, they're getting uh, from the chiefs defense. I'm, I'm openly rooting for the bills. I've been rooting for them all year, but I will say as a betting stance, like you're getting the chiefs at minus three points. This is only the sixth time with Patrick Mahomes under center that you're getting them as a favorite of three or less. I mean, it's kind of one of those things like you just you just have to take it, right? Like you just have to take. It, I mean, it's, it, three. it's 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 three out of respect to the Bills. They they pretty much have vanquished all of their their challengers this year, you know, and and they're playing great. It's just like, you know, I, I also one thing is. Josh Allen still has that wildness in him. Like I know he's played so great and he's and they've been so efficient and everything, but like you never know when the when the the deep bomb to the fullback is coming or like the lateral. Like he still just has those moments and I don't know, you just don't worry about that with Mahomes. Like you just you just never feel like Mahomes is going to do something that defies explanation in a in a bad way. You know One what I mean? One thing too for the Bills is in the context of these four teams that are remaining. Are the, the Bills are the only team that can just come out and lose Sunday and it not be a disappointment? Like it, it like if, right. if the Packers, if the Packers, the Chiefs, or the Buccaneers lose on Sunday, it's going to be a, a colossal disappointment. Where the Bills, if they lose, this season was still a wild success. Like the, the, like it, it was. Like it, the fans will be disappointed. Don't get me wrong, uh, being this close. But if they get to the AFC title game, considering where they are, like people are going to see it as a growth year for the Bills. The Bills are now an AFC title contender for the foreseeable future. Whereas these other three teams, like the Chiefs obviously are expected to be there. Packers expected to be there. The Bucks expected to be there where they've gone in on all these veterans. Uh, the, the Bills, so that could be, it could help the Bills. Maybe they just play looser and they say like, yeah, we're, we're not supposed to I think win. that is, I think that is a big edge for them. Like, I don't think they will tighten up. Whereas the Chiefs will, the Chiefs will absolutely like, I mean, we saw it. it we saw it definitely more them. pressure on the Chiefs. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of pressure. They've been the favorites. They've been the favorites all year, you know, like they, I, I, I'm in 100% agreement with you that, that I think they will feel pressure. And I think that will, I'm, I'm just hoping for another perfect game from Andy Reid. Like when, when, when Mahomes left that game, Reid did everything perfectly. Um, well, basically. except for that well, any balloon ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think that was his fault though. Right. That, well, that they probably... threw on first and 25. You got to stay aggressive. Actually, you know what? It was an awful throw. They they kicked a field goal, actually. I think it was maybe fourth and four or something on like that. On the same drive, Mahomes got hurt. They kicked a field goal. Yeah, they kicked a field goal. And, and uh, Bucker They missed. went for a fourth down, too, because Mahomes got hurt on a third and short and yeah, didn't they, get it. Yeah, it was a pitch play to, to Darrell mm-hmm. Williams. Um, but – they should have they should have went for it there because I, I think you would have rather had them you, you would have rather had them drive the field because the the value in having that ball for an extra two minutes right an extra four plays when you're up you're up two scores you just had you just are trying to get to the end of the game right Mahomes leaves the game you're trying to get that clock to zero um 
whatever, I guess, I guess kicking the field goal on, on whatever it was fourth and four, maybe fourth and three, uh, they, they should have went for it there. But I mean, I love Patrick Holmes. I love the Kansas city chiefs it, having him be a part of the chiefs. I, I do think literally when I'll think back about these great chiefs teams, 20 years from now, I think the third and 14 run and the fourth and one throw to Tyree kill. Literally. I think those will be memory. Like, I think I will remember those plays for as like, as long as I can think about football. I mean, it, those, those were some of the most momentous plays I can ever remember. I mean, that, that, that run is so crazy. I mean, if you're the Browns, like, how do you not send heat at, at Chad Henney of all, you just make him get rid of the football. Uh, but I will say if you're on this game and you know, you're like I said, I'm, I'm rooting for the bills, but say you like the bills and you like them to be a live dog. I mean, you have to, if you like the bills, I mean, you kind of have to pair them with the over. There's no scenario where the bills win this game. And it's like, they win 23 to 20. Uh, I mean, you just look at the, the chiefs have yeah. lost nine games with Patrick Mahomes under center, the opposition in those games, this is their point scored in those nine games, 43, 54, 29, 38, 37, 19, which was the Colts game, 31, 35, and 40. Really just one team has ever beaten the chiefs limiting possessions and just trying to like out slug fest them and limit them. Like, if you think the bills are going to win this game that you have to pair them with the over, cause they're going to, they're going to have to come in and say like, we need to score 30 plus points. Uh, there's really no scenario where the Bills win this game and the over doesn't hit. It's very small. I mean, I want to say there's no chance the Bills come in. But if the Bills win this game, it's going over the point total. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and obviously the Bills can lose and the over can hit as well. So I will sure. – I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I – yeah, I would not – even if I thought the Chiefs would lose, I think I would rather bet the over because I, I agree with you. I think the the Chiefs losing these games tends to come to like they just didn't have the ball last, right? Like the other mm-hmm. team just happened to have the ball last. And and uh, you know, if if the Bills get up 14-0 or whatever, like you literally just have to go back to last year's playoffs yep. to just be like, oh, they'll just huck the ball deep. Cause that's the other thing. I, I want to hear your take on this. You know, just the idea that the Chiefs really did just take it easy in the second half of the season. They they chewed up clock, they threw the ball short. Like, do you still think the Death Star is operational in terms of, you know, throwing the ball deep, lots of play action, you know, a higher average depth of target? Or do you think that, you know, that magic is not as active for them this year? Cause that that was like a I I've seen this take now about the Chiefs that they they they've played it too close and that they're they're on the razor's thin edge of of you know basically running hot in close games well it's just what the other teams have forced them to do i mean uh you know our guy dan bazuda's article about this we kind of talked about it for a couple weeks teams have just come out openly and just played super too high safety and not blitz the chiefs they've just dared them to run the ball and the chiefs obliged in the front like quarter of the season front half of the season and then they just said well we're still going to throw the ball aggressively but you know, we're going to throw like with a lower eight out. The Browns did the same thing. They only rushed Patrick Mahomes. They blitzed him only on 10% of his dropbacks, just played too high safety at 70% of the time. And Mahomes only had a six yard a dot, but they were just shredding down the field. And that's kind of what it turned to the back half of the season. So it's really just them taking what teams are giving them. Uh, and then the, when these teams played earlier in the season, in week six, the bills used two high safeties on 68 percent of their snaps outside of that chiefs game the bills only used two high safeties on 34 percent of their defensive snaps the rest of the season uh and in that game Mahomes only threw two yards 20 yards in the air in that game 
so, I mean, teams have just really kind of said, well, we don't want you to score in one play on us. We don't want you to score in two plays. And they still hit a few of those. Tyreek's, you know, had, you know, nine, nine deep ball touchdowns. But that's part of the reason what's gone into Kelsey's magical season. Kelsey was already a great player. But when you then combine with the way teams have approached attacking the Chiefs, they've just chose to live with Travis Kelsey just murking them in the middle of the field. I and mean, buddy, no he, good he, he is happy to oblige. Yeah, because that you know what Kelsey really does unlock a huge part of their offense, and that's I that has not been discussed enough. But if if Kelsey, I mean Kelsey is going to be thirty, he's going to turn thirty three next season. Um, he probably has I would say one more year left of really good play, right? You know, I, I, I would imagine, and that is going to be a problem for them to replace because Kelsey is a, a first ballot unanimous hall of fame player. And they, they just don't, those guys literally come once a generation, right? Like he has, he has seven or more catches in nine straight games. <laughs> just because and it's because of that teams don't want them but they've also so what the chiefs have also done the back half of the season and you can go through and look through the game logs and check this out they've started to move tyree kill on the slot and use him on shorter routes now now they, they still give him a like a deep ball target or two a game but like they've started to move him around and, and his targets have gone way up because he's not relying on you know a, a longer depth of target throw he's now getting more he's getting more peppered in the intermediate areas than he was in the beginning of the season that's why his target share has gone up so high because they've adjusted the chiefs have adjusted how teams have approached them because they want to obviously give the ball to tyree kill uh, and not have him negated by these teams just playing so you know over the top coverage against them and you that's how tyreek has really kind of blossomed the back half of the year in terms of getting more targets and you see him run that speed out on fourth and one last week uh to secure that game and they ran that play earlier in the season against the dolphins on a fourth down too uh the same exact play but that's really kind of what they've transitioned their offense to being. Uh, I don't think it's them that they, it's, it's necessarily like the, the, the deaths are. I think it's just, it's a sharp team adjusting to what teams have done. Uh, and if you leave them an opening, they still will take that shot. <laughs> I mean, I have no thing about uh, no doubt in my mind, but they're still winning these games. That's the one thing is people say like, well, they're letting teams hang around. They're still winning the games. I mean, yeah. do, do we need to Herm Edwards this shit? Like they're winning the games. Yep. Like, that's what At good the end teams of the day. Do. Yep. It's what good teams do. Um, the books finally had to adjust because the chiefs haven't covered since week eight. Uh, you know, they, cause they, you know, they were get laying 10, they're laying eight last week. They're laying 10 points. You know, it's three points this week. You had this, you've had this scenario in six games where you've had Patrick Mahomes as a favorite of three or less. You had, you've only been able to bet it six times in your whole life and you get it yep. you get your second chance on Sunday. Um, but it's, I mean, yeah, this, this is the game, uh, I think everyone's looking forward to because it's the future game. I mean, we've got Josh on Patrick Mahomes. Cause we were all wondering like, who's going to be the dude for, to challenge Mahomes. Like who's going to step up and be the counter to Mahomes. Cause we had Brady, we had breeze and Rogers, uh, you know, you with the rivers and Ben came out that, it, in that same it'll, it'll be, it'll be Burrow, man. It's going to be Burrow. So, so that's where we have right now. We have the new challenger. Is it going to be, you know, Baker had a shot last week. Is it going to be Josh Allen's time? Is, is it good? Is Josh Allen going to be that guy? As yeah. Is can, can quarterbacks jo- move yeah. on? Can Josh Allen be Manning to, to, to Mahomes yes. is Brady. Um, okay. I, I still, there's something to me that just, 
I don't like, I still don't fully believe in Josh Allen. I, I don't know. May, may, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm being biased, but like, or maybe I just can't get that freaking lateral out of my head, but like there does just, there does just seem to me something. And maybe, maybe it's just that he succeeds in a way that is not like the way that elite quarterbacks have succeeded in the past. Like he, he, still misses a lot of throws, right? He still throws off his back foot a lot. Like he, he's not nearly as deadly accurate as Mahomes. He obviously is, is super, super effective the way that he plays. But also one of the things is what happens when Dable gets hired somewhere else, right? What happens when Dable gets a head coaching job? Will another offensive coordinator grasp his skills the same way? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see, you know, uh, you know, this, I mean, there definitely is probably in the range of outcomes where, you know, a decade out, we look back at this season and it's a complete outlier for Josh Allen. Like that still exists in the range of outcomes. Yep. Um, I mean, Josh Allen has that perfect marriage uh, of whatever we all kind of look for. Cause even though like we kind of, you know, frown on the old adage of, you know, size and arm strength that is valued in the NFL, uh, you know, Josh Allen also does a lot of things that we all like, you know, he, yep. he, he plays aggressive. He's, he's a runner. Uh, he's a, he's aggressive runner. He, he's like basically their goal line back. He's big, like Cam Newton, you know, he's not like a, uh, an elusive guy, uh, but he does, you know, he, he brings a lot of things to the table, kind of a, a best of both worlds. And you kind of just have to, like you said, avoid that, you know, kind of, you know, mental lapse moment. And they've done a good job of that this year. The Colts game almost gave us one, almost gave us that scare, but, uh, he hasn't really had a lot this season, so we'll see what happens. But they've torched like every good team that they played too, outside of basically this Chiefs game, uh, who the Chiefs are able to get home on. So maybe Spags has something, uh, some kind of you know skeleton key that we don't know about that they will generate some pressure. We'll see how all both games. We'll see how both of these teams get to adjust because they were kind of one-sided games, even though the score of this game doesn't really show it. But the Chiefs were really in no danger of losing that game in the second half. Um, yeah, to see how these teams kind of counterpunch and what they bring from that week six matchup. Because week six was shit in football terms. That's, I mean, that's years ago to us. Like, do you even remember week six? Like what you were thinking at the time? <laughs> I don't, I was probably like, Jonathan Taylor sucks. That was probably my big thing then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Clyde Zalera's rush had, had, was had post, posting 200-yard games at that in week six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got, you got any DFS angles for... Uh, for uh this game uh, or for these games the, the two gamer i mean obviously the two two games sucks i mean i'm still gonna play uh you know reduce but also i'm definitely running some some single entries and stuff like that uh i kind of like valdez scantling as the the cheap packers guy everyone yeah i'm looking at projected ownership right now and uh he lazard's coming in about four times the ownership of so MBS. high yeah. But a lot of people don't realize like last, like when did we get to like the point where like Lazard's like a safe play? Like last week was the most yards he's had in the game since week three. Uh, he's got like a bunch of duds mixed in and Valdez can't like, don't get me wrong. He's a boomer bust guy too, but you know, Tampa Bay is not good downfield. Uh, they allowed a 50 per 49 and a half percent completion rate and throws uh, deep targets. That's 27th, the NFL. Uh, quarterbacks in the playoffs their two playoff games are nine of 15 against them on those throws Valdez the scaling still that leads the team in debt uh a dot he led the nfl in yards per catch this year did you know that like mvs <laughs> um, yeah yeah i did he also he also leads the league in drop rate yeah uh so i mean he, i'm not saying he's a safe option too but i think at four times the ownership uh it, it, there seems to be a large discrepancy there a large gap 
to where I think if if the field is that high on Lazard, I'm going to play a guy that still has like the highest highest A dot on the team and has some scoring output. Uh, so I think MVS is like the cheapy Packers play. And then I, you know, I have no idea. I mean, all the usual suspects in the late game, right? Like the thing about the Chiefs this year is that Hill and Kelsey have taken up so much equity. This Literally year like to... 70% of the fantasy points available on the team. Where it used to be last year, remember, they'd be like, well, shit, we got to get Demarcus Robinson right. Is it a McCall Harvin game? Like, which, which is one of these ancillary guys is also going to come along for the ride. And this year, it's really just been like Hill and Kelsey, like yeah. every week, just Hill and Kelsey. Like, those are the two guys that are just. I mean, Hart, Hartman <laughs> looked Hartman looked good last week. Hart, like, yes, like last week was the first time when Watkins or Hill didn't play where Hartman actually looked up to the job and they weren't just giving him the ball because he was out there and they had to, you know, like, targets like you got to target some guys some of the time when they're on the field yeah. <laughs> you, you know and he he had the he had the jet sweep he had a couple he had like one really nice like eight yard grab where the throw wasn't that accurate but he was able to come down with it so but but I think Watkins and Clyde Edwards Hilaire are both gonna play they were both at practice yeah. on Wednesday it looks like they're both gonna play um, I wonder though, I wonder if CEH is active and Daryl is still the lead back though. I think there, I think there is some chance that CEH is back, but Daryl leads the backfield in snaps. I, I actually do think that's a, a thing that could end up happening. Yeah. He's their, totally he's their possible. best. He's the most reliable guy. He, he is, he doesn't dick well, he's around. A ham and egg he, he's going to, yep. He's going to do the ham and egg thing, man. Like he did last he's, week. Sean Green, baby. That's like literally what he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How'd you feel about Miles Garrett running down McCall Hardman last week? Uh, I mean, was I, that? I had, I had Daryl Williams 3% owned in the spy and Dar- and Hardman 14% owned in the spy. So I was like, if I just get a, a total smash from one of those two guys, like I, I gotta be a big fave here, like in terms of simulated equity and stuff. And I, I needed Hardman to score there. And then Daryl also got stopped on first and one or yeah. first and goal from the one. Uh, but I, I can't believe Hardman. Cause when Hardman gets in the open field, like the whole thesis behind Hardman is that he should be able to score. Like that's what he's supposed to be good at him. I mean, not scoring. Fair, he was like, was he was still setting up some blocking and didn't really go full. Like I got a straight line to the end zone. I'm going to turn it on. But, and, and, you know, but it was, uh, it was crazy, man. To just have what a freak miles Garrett is like chasing down McCall Harvin 40 yards downfield. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 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 I am. Uh, I'm very excited for these games already digging into, I I'm in two best ball drafts already for fantasy football next year. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's a great time, bro. It's a great time to to be live. Closing we're, we're... in uh, the off season takes we kind of talked about them just before the show. Like you go uh, starting the prospect game is starting, and there's definitely be takes this year and that because there's no like clear like smash guy. I mean, they're good players at the top, but I think there's gonna be a lot of discrepancy and a lot of variance this year in terms of prospect takes. So as as much as we're all happy to reach the end of the line uh, in terms of you know content, uh, we'll have all a bunch of new content to dive into. Yeah, uh, lots of lots of content, and we have NBA top shots to to hold us <laughs> over until then. Uh, so we we love to see that. Um, what do you what are you guys doing over on Sharp Football during the off season for everyone to pay attention to? Uh, all my stuff is still free. Uh, you know, so you can check out these playoff write ups. I didn't talk, talk about any players. You know, I wrote up all the guys. All my stuff will be free in the off season, at least for seal of futures. Uh, this off season, we're going to be moving sharp football stats site over to the sharp football analysis site. 
So look for that to happen in the off season as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really about it, man. We're at the end of the line. Warren will be doing his big Super Bowl like pamphlet thing too, that he always does like that 20 page uh, Super Bowl breakdown that no one else does uh, to get in the weeds and the, the minutia uh, of all the down and distances, personnel packages and that stuff. So look for him to, you know, to drop that pretty soon here too, after this game. Yeah. All right, uh, everyone, follow Rich on Twitter, at Lord Reeves. Read all the stuff they have going on over at Sharp Football, and we will be uh, you know, just very excited to uh, break down whatever ends up happening in the Super Bowl. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.